This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. back church welcome home so so excited to be together in a new way we still have Emmanuel at home going on but we also now have Emmanuel in Maple Grove and Spring Lake Park and in Elk River and we're gathering together to worship and celebrate what God is doing together and I just tell you I am pumped because we're taking the first step into a new era And uh, as I've said in other settings, that that this isn't a new normal, this is the now normal, meaning that there's consistently new normals, and so we got to adjust to the now normal. This one happens to be we're allowed to come back together, and, uh, and I believe that the best is still yet to come, and I'm so proud of the Emmanuel family for all that you've gone through over the last couple months. We've stayed together, we've worshiped together, we've cared for each other, we've stepped into the gap of need in our cities, around us, and I'm just super proud of you and I'm thankful that we get to worship in new ways beginning today. And you know, we don't do this alone for me as a pastor. I've got an amazing team and amazing team of staff and thank you for praying for all of our staff through this season and we're very excited as we work with all of Team Emmanuel as we prepare for the things that are yet to come and and I'm excited about what God is doing. But we also have our board of elders who have been praying for you and praying for our church and praying for our city together and we have our advisory elders which are outside leaders that are part of the Emmanuel story. And, and uh, I've been calling on them, and they've been praying for us as a church. And this week, I caught up with Pastor Choco and Bishop Harvey. We were down at North Central University, and uh, I caught them in the hallway, and I, I, I took out my iPhone, and I said, can you say something to our church and just greet our church today? And so they did just that. So I want you to watch my crude selfie video with Pastor Choco and Bishop Harvey. All right, I'm here with uh, two amazing leaders, elders, advisory elders of our church, Bishop Harvey and Pastor Choco, and uh, they just want to say hello to you as a church. God bless you, Emmanuel family. You have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. The grace of God is upon you. You're already salt. You're already light. Now be light and be salt and let it shine for the glory of God. The city of Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota is waiting for the anointing that's flowing from your leader down to you. God bless you. Hey, let me just add to this. I want to just encourage you, Emmanuel, God is with us to walk by faith, not by fear. Do not let this thing create a sense of fear. Fear will paralyze you from reaching your destiny. So when we begin to open, we're going to open up with great uh, restriction and so forth, but not with fear. We're going to operate in faith. So I look forward to hear what God is doing in your lives. Isn't that awesome just to have them? Yeah. So exciting to have leaders that are watching and praying for us as a church. They're a great support to me and to our staff as well. And you know, the whole world has been looking at Minnesota this week. 
And uh, I, I turned on the news and saw a bunch of different things go on in the news. And uh, as the world is looking at us, we also need to not forget the people in our lives that may feel forgotten during the season. And the graduates in our church, we have high school and college graduates. Many of them have graduated in the last week or so. And uh, we've got them on Zoom now. And so we're gonna, I wanna wave at all of my, and we got several pages of our grads. Would you give it up for our graduates? You guys are amazing. We're so, so excited. And uh, it's so cool to have so many that have jumped in and, uh, and said, hey, I want to I wanna be a part of this as family, as a church family. We're so proud of you. We love you. And I want to just take a quick moment to speak a word of blessing, a prayer over your life. Lord, we pray as a church for all of the graduates. We pray that, Lord, that you would smile on them. Let them know that they're not alone or forgotten. And let them feel a sense of, of the church being behind them as they propel themselves into the next part of their journey. May the best still be yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. One more time, give it up for all of those graduates. Yeah. All right, we're going to start right away into part two of our Moving Mountains series. Today's title is Powerful Confession. Last week, we just talked about Pentecost and how the miracle of Pentecost has everything to do with the era and the, that we're in right now, and especially in the Twin Cities. And if you missed last week, please jump into that because I'm going to tag team off of last week and move into the next thing that I feel like God has put on my heart. And I want you to know that all of us were created in God's image, and he created us to do something. Turn to the person next to you in the living room or in the sanctuary and say, do something. Uh, we are created to move and to do things, not just to receive blessing, not just to have identity from Christ, but also to go into the destiny that he's called us into. No person was created for the benefit of themselves. No, there's a divine design on your life that God planted in you. And any departure from understanding your God design can and will have disastrous impact on your life and the relationships in your life. Going back into Genesis, the very creation account of the entire world, you will see that God was there and he was forming things. And as he formed people, he created us in his image. We were created in the image of God, also known as the Imago Dei. We were all created by God, and we have attributes of God. And everyone matters in that sense. And we are to value the image of God in other people. We are to value others around us. God's children are to value what God values. And God values people. He values people. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know how much God cares about people? He sent his one and only son. Jesus literally died to show the value that people have. And I'm not talking about perfect people. I'm not talking about people that have everything all together, come from the right family. I'm talking about even criminals Jesus died for. Can I get an Amen. And I know that I feel that I'm the worst of sinners, as Paul said. We know that he loves us so much that our, our value is noticed in how much God was willing to pay for it. He thinks you're valuable, and the image of God is on our lives. And God values people in the womb, people without money, people with money, people of every age. And God values people of every skin tone and color. He values every person alive. Can I get an amen to that? 
See, God also expects his kids to treat other kids with love. I love what Nelson Mandela said. He said, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. Come on, somebody. Nelson Mandela said that. That he recognized that they can be taught. We can see a change of heart. Just because a person was born into a certain family, taught certain things, doesn't mean their life is over. There's an opportunity through the power of the cross and the power of the word of God and his spirit living in us to give us a different future. You and I can learn to love and leave the hate behind. In fact, in the kingdom of God, no haters allowed, right? Nobody can stay in the kingdom and love like God does and have hate in their heart. So many great stories this last week that I've seen just in the last couple of weeks of the people of Emmanuel and all the stories of caring for each other and bravely stepping into spaces maybe they haven't before, having courageous conversations as I talked about last week with people that don't look like you or aren't from your neighborhood and being able to connect with people and hear their stories, doing the work of God and really the spirit of God is moving us into transformation not only in our own life but to the relationships that are around us. Now, there's something unique, though, about being made in the image of God. People are like God with what we do with our speech. I want you to think about this. In Genesis, when God was creating things, he spoke it, and it happened. So God's speech created something. It started something. It initiated something new. So when God would say, let there be light, there was what? Light. When he would say, let there be land, there was land. When they said, let there be trees, there were trees. So everything God spoke, something was brought into existence. And I believe that the things that come out of our mouths, there are something supernatural that happens when we speak. And I'm talking both good and for bad. In fact, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Boy, there's been a lot of eating going on. And it's a lot of eating because we've been planting certain things. There's been things said into the air in social media and shared stories and other things that are going out there, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, parents can also do this in a positive way. Parents speaking life into their children as they grow communicate powerful things before they happen. And they become verbal seeds planted that will grow. Thinking and speaking things over, not just looking at what you see in your child at whatever age they are, but believing that God has the best for them and good things are on their way. My father, when I was growing up, he would say things to me that they would speak life into me even though I wasn't behaving well. How many know children need discipline, right? So I had things that I wasn't doing right. I was not perfect. I had a rebel heart in high school. There were things that I was doing. There were direct disobedience. But when my dad would discipline me even, he would say things like this to me. He would say, son, your behavior and what you were doing is not who God has called you to be. So I recognize that the behavior that you're doing isn't up to the the level of your destiny. And he would speak life into me. He would still discipline me, and I didn't like it. 
But I'm telling you, he saw a different picture for my future than just what was in front of me. And because of that, it's given me confidence to step out. And even when I mess up, I have a sense that Father God believes the best for me. When you speak things over your children, don't just speak out of what you see. Speak out of what God can do in the future through their life. You don't have to just nail somebody because they messed up. We've got a lot of call-out culture stuff going on where everybody's calling out everybody for misbehavior or what they said or in fact, in factual uh, uh, posts that people are putting up or whatever it may be. But the real thing is, is we need to learn to speak truth, God's truth over a person's life. Not just look at the, the bad, but think of what God can do in the future. And I believe that we can speak those things over the next generation. Parents, listen to me. And I know that we have some parents with their kids that are now on campus. Woo, woo, thanks for coming. You guys are braving it in the sanctuary. You're amazing together. But I also know that we have many families that are at home right now and you've got kids and it's really hard to even listen to a message like this because kids are noisy and they're moving around and all those kind of, hopefully you're tapping into the Emmanuel Kids YouTube broadcast that we got going on. We got stuff just for kids, both elementary and preschool. It's amazing. But I'll tell you this, you can speak life over that next generation. You can believe what God wants to do in their story. I even love how we can take words and speak words through song, the songs that we sing. And the songs that we sing have an impact on how we see ourselves. Things like this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. The Bible tells me. So isn't that an amazing how a song can speak absolute truth and confidence into the next generation? But so can some of the other songs I remember singing growing up, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones too. You sing that song, but how about this one? You remember this? I don't know how many of you remember this one. This is like old school. I'm going to go back into the 70s here. You ready? This is Jesus loves little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I love those songs because they speak truth and they speak hope and they speak life. But just as powerfully as the good words, not so positive words spoken over a person's life can be destructive. Parents who've had their own bad experiences can take it to the next generation and they can speak damaging, hurtful words to their kids or to their people in their life. And the words planted a a horrible seed in the child's heart. And I've had grown adults in my office who have come in and they sought counseling because 30 years ago, their dad said something to them like, you're no good or you're lousy or you won't amount to anything. I had one person that came into my office that was a successful business person, but because their parent had said something to them when they were younger, even though they found success in business, other things in their life were falling apart. They were facing depression, they lost their marriage, all simply because of those bad seeds spoken over their life. And I can tell you, parents can also train their kids to speak words without, about human beings that God never planted. And in this hour, we need to be careful about what we train our kids. Racist words that demean the value of a human life or hatred for people who are not like you, hurt in the home. And then those words can be used as a weapon 
in the mouth and the life of that child when they grow towards people around them. Words matter, and God has given us the ability to build up or to destroy. James, the practical prophet, says it this way. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, I'm not trying today to to pour water on your day or to make you feel depressed. My goal is not to discourage you. Instead, I want you to understand and seek to speak a better word over your life, over your family, and over the people that are in our world. I want you to discover the power of biblical confession. And it will bring your life and what it can bring to your life and what it will help you stay connected to God's original purpose for your life. Your self-confessions can stop being, I'm a bad parent or I'm a loser and always getting down on yourselves. What if you got a different confession about yourself, that you're a son of God, you're a daughter of heaven, you are somebody special, that Jesus died for you, and you begin to speak the words of truth, of God's eternal truth over your life. It can change your life. And you don't have to deny the feelings that you're walking through. You can talk to everything about God. You can receive the words of your creator over your life. So what is biblical confession? It's not just, I did it, I confess, my hand was in the cookie jar. It's not just saying, I I sinned and I messed up. That's a part of it, biblically speaking, and it's powerful. In fact, confessing sin is life-giving. It releases us from the guilt and the control of sin. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Friends, I want you to know if you have sin bottled up in your heart today and it just causes you to go crazy and feel down and feel bad about yourself, you can confess your sin to God and he will forgive you and it will bring great joy to your life. You don't have to keep it inside of you. I love it. First John uh, chapter 1 says, if we claimed we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Boom. That is so powerful because he can come and cleanse us and make us feel new again when the sin is gone. But confession in the Bible is more than just confession of sin as many people just think of confession of what I did wrong. Confession, let me give you a definition. Confession is speaking to God about what he already sees. Speaking to God about what he already sees. Now, confession biblically in the Bible is a broader term that's used throughout the Bible. And confession biblically has two parts to it. The first part is individual confession. 
individual confession. And the second part is corporate confession. Let me talk about those two things. First of all, individual confession. Individual confession is this process where we begin to sing out or talk out to God about what we feel or we're walking through on the inside. It's an action step of partnership with God. So we see it in the Psalms. And if you've ever read the Psalms, you will see that the authors, there's various authors, David does a number of them, they sing out, it's like a personal diary to God. And they would sing out what's going on in their life. They could be something like, Lord, I'm tired of this pandemic, right? And it's literally, instead of keeping a thought or an emotion inside, it's opening up the passageway to God and allowing God to hear. It's giving God access to what's going on in here and more importantly in here. And if I know if you're anything like me, over the last few months, I've had a lot of varying emotions and thoughts. Just watching different things and press conferences and and neighborhoods and social media posts and in my own family and, and Zoom screens and all the other things that we've been going through, we can tend to have things inside and we don't know, there's nowhere for it to go. But God has offered a way through confession to empty our, our life of the poison if it stays in us to get it out of our soul. I'm not even talking, I'm, I'm talking about believers here. Because you look at the Psalms and they would sing about everything. I mean, like, Lord, you're my rock and my salvation. Woo, that was a good day, talking to God about good things. But then there was also the time when we, we, things aren't going so well. And it's, Lord, the water's up to my neck and I'm sinking. Where are you? I don't feel so good. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon and the kids still want to be fed and I don't know what to do. I'm tired of this. I don't want to teach kids anymore. All the parents that became teachers during the pandemic. And they're going through things. And then there were moments in the scriptures where you see even more raw stuff, like when David or the psalmist would have a, a, a f- good friend turn their back on them and, and, uh, and reject them or turn them in and, and become treasonous, if you will. And the, the psalmist was like, Lord, my best friend turned his back on me. Kill him. You're like, I mean, you read it sometimes, it's like blatant. It gets off the chest. And here's the thing. God's not afraid of your worst thoughts. But I'll tell you this. If the worst thought remains in darkness and God's light does not go in, it will change you. When you can confess it, as the psalmist did, you sing it out to God. You discover when you're saying your worst thought, I don't like The other political party, I don't agree with people that are saying different things on social media. I don't like what's going on or whatever's going on inside your heart. When you tell it to God instead of posting it on Facebook, come on somebody. When you learn to turn it over to God, then he has an ability to take that stuff out of your heart and replace it with his eternal truth and his peace that passes understanding. 
Confession is a pathway, and you'll see it in the Psalms. They'll begin by saying, Lord, it seems like everybody else has no problems, and I'm going through turmoil, and I don't understand what's going on. I, I don't like it. I don't like everything going on around me. And you talk it out to God. And then in the middle of the Psalm, it turns, and something begins to change, and the psalmist will begin, yet will I trust you, my rock and my salvation. You're my tower of strength that I run to in my time of need. And then you'll see the song begin to change. And you know what happens? Right when they're singing their song, they start with the raw reality of what they're feeling and their emotions, and they end with the confidence that God is with them, and he'll continue to be with them as they move forward. If you want the confidence of God to move mountains in your life, you have to individually learn to confess regularly to God where you're at so he can cleanse you, so you can keep his faith, so you have eyes of faith, so that when you do face your mountains, you can say to this mountain be moved. Can I get an amen to that? And this requires knowing the word of God. Psalm 119 talks about thy word I have hid in your, my heart that I might not sin against you. When you read the word and you begin to confess what God's word says, I'm telling you it begins to renew your mind. It transforms you and it enables you to say no to sin, yes to righteousness, and to hear the word of the spirit. And you can speak God's words over your life. Can I get an amen to that? Now, friends, let me give you one caution before I move to the corporate side of confession. If your mouth is confessing someone else's words, don't be surprised when your prayer won't move mountains. There's a lot of people sharing other people's words for their arguments right now in society. They're borrowing from social media news networks, they're borrowing from somebody else's story to back up their own reason. And I'm telling you, don't take the bait. Take God's words, or else you'll find yourself trying to move a mountain and you can't move it because you got other people's words in you. Secondly, the corporate side of things. The corporate side of things is very different. See, confession isn't just an individual activity. In America, in modern-day America, everything's individualized. We've kind of moved it into this is my personal faith. It's only for me. I don't have to tell anybody about it. But I want you to know, biblically speaking, confession was much broader. It included both families and churches. It included the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They would pray corporate prayers for the whole body. In the New Testament, it was others. And I want you to know that the biblical precedence is that leaders would pray on behalf of their family and their country. Leaders would recognize the sin of their land and they would pray confessing to God what he already saw. And so 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. many of you know it. If you don't, you can look it up later. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says, and turn from their wicked ways, God says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and then I will heal their land. There is something powerful in the confession realm when we begin to not just talk about the things we did. Some of you might not feel like you're personally responsible for some of the things that people are feeling pain about in our culture right now. I get it. You wouldn't have to pray an individual prayer of confession maybe, 
but you would need to pray a corporate prayer of confession. For our land is hurting, and it is our responsibility to carry the burdens of the world that we live in. God has planted you as salt and light in the world that God has put you in, the neighborhood that you're in, the family that you're in, the street that you live on, the people that you drive by every day, the people that you go grocery shopping next to. Our city matters to God, and it's our responsibility to learn to confess those things on behalf of the people around us. And the promise is, if we learn to prom- pray those kind of prayers to God, and we cry out for the nation around us, the city around us, the people around us, then God will heal them and heal the land. And I, I, I got to tell you, God's not only going to heal the land, he's going to heal us too. He's going to take care of the people that are around us. In the New Testament, confession became a regular practice in the church, something the church did as a part of their worship. James in chapter five says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In other words, there's a community of people and when the people confess to each other, powerful prayer is released. It's what happens when connect groups get together and it only has to be a few people. It only has to be a few people. For us, it could be the bakers in our group. It could be the Savageos. It could be the Winricks. It could be the Rooshes. When we get together in our connect group and we, we gather together and we've had food and maybe we've gone through discussion about something, but when we hit prayer time and we go around the group and over time, more trust is built. The more you get together, the more you know each other, the more your defenses are dropped. And we say, well, what do the Winricks have to, to share with us today? Well, this is what our family is going through, and this is where we're at. And they confess. It doesn't mean they're confessing sin. It means that they're confessing where they're at, and we pray together. And James says that when we pray together and we share those things in community, that there's powerful, miracle, mountain-moving type prayer that is released. There's a move of God released just when two or three are gathered together. And I want you to know that God wants us to learn to confess those things to each other and to share one another's burdens, to carry those things together, to be in it together. Everybody said together. See, we own our own issues, but we trust that God will deliver all of us. I'm not speaking just about negative things. I believe that God wants to do amazing things. And even on the individual side of confession, as David, after he sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, which is a great chapter you can read this week, but he prays this prayer out to God. He says, against you, God, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And then he begins to repent before God, and as he's repenting before God for his own struggle, then it says that at the end, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. This is the hope of scripture in both individual and corporate stories. You see, when we learn to confess regularly on the other side of it, God doesn't hold us back from the ministry he's called us to do on the earth. God still wants good things to happen through your life. And even if you've messed up or you've been underneath the weight of so much going on around you and the pain of what you're feeling, God can give you a different story in the future. You don't have to remain a victim. You don't have to stay in victim status any longer. Through Jesus, you can rise up and be who he's called you to be in this day and age. Can I get an amen to that? 
See, Jesus is a way maker. He's a, he can turn anything around. He can drive out a pandemic. He can move on hearts and bring an awakening that transforms hearts of racism into hearts that repent and are changed. And when we move toward God, he moves toward us. He is the one that moves us. And I want to ask you a question. Well, the question is this. What are we going to confess? What are we going to say to God, both individually and corporately? Today, I want to call the church to bring our confession before him. What does God already see in our lives, and what does God see in the society around us? What do we need to share with him? Maybe we need to say to him, as the psalmist said in one, Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Perhaps we need to open up the invitation to God because we don't need to be afraid of him looking on the inside. His leadership is on the other side of that confession and he will give us a future and a hope. So what do we need to pray about? What is it that we need to be thinking about? Individually, are there things that you need to be considering? In your own story where you, instead of blaming everybody around you and pointing the finger, what if you just pause and say, God, look at me. I've been dealing with emotions and I'm overwhelmed and some of you are overwhelmed with the weight of bills and trying to figure out how to make it work with teaching kids and what summer are going to look like and you're overwhelmed with the pandemic, you're overwhelmed with the news as buildings were burned and riots were taking place alongside peaceful protests and trying to figure out who you believe and people share facts and their facts are all over the place and you're dealing with all that stuff in here and worry is written all over your heart or your mind. This is not a time for you to look to Washington, D.C. to change the worry in your heart or your mind. This is not a time to look to somebody else. This is a time to turn to God and confess where you're at because he already sees it and he's ready. He is so ready to come in and help you and to take the weight off your life. But just as much on the corporate side, as a pastor, over the last week, few weeks, I just got to tell you, I've been feeling heavy because in our church, and in the communities around us, nobody's on the same opinion. I've got people that were mad at me since the day one that we didn't keep the church open. And then I've got people that are mad at me that we're reopening because we should be staying shelter in place. I got people from sea to shining sea all at odds with each other. But I'll tell you this, in the Bible, we don't need to be, we need to allow ourselves the space to have people that are still part of the family of God that disagree with one another. But what we can't do is negotiate about loving each other. We need to love one another even though we're in disagreement. So corporate side of things, we can pray for, for unity of heart, not uniformity. Not everybody's going to be on the same page, but the body of Christ is one. All of us are different. Paul says it. The different body parts see things different ways and have different functions. We're, we can pray, God, would you unify us even when we disagree? Can you help our hearts get together when we don't see the thing the same way? We, we've got people that are, are feeling pain right now. In a house of prayer for all nations, as Jesus has called Emmanuel to be, we have many people that are from different countries and 
and from different skin colors, and we've got African-Americans and Africans, and we've got, uh, we've got Hispanic, and we've got Asian, and we've got people that are, are from, from uh, uh, Russia and the Ukraine, and they're all viewing this all through different lens, people from different vantage points and different languages. And I'll tell you this, there are some of the people that are feeling deep pain right now. Deep pain because the color of their skin has been exposed to all kinds of conversations and then they see other people, they, don't, they feel awkward and they don't know how to relate to one another. And I want you to know, I feel the pain, but we need to take that pain and take it to the Lord. We need to ask the Lord to begin to change something and change the heart level and to do a move of God in our land. Can I get an amen to that? We've got people in our communities that are trying to how to figure out how to, how to open up um, the rest of society and uh, businesses that have been closed and they're, some of them are going bankrupt and, and they're dealing with bankruptcy and they're trying to figure out what to do as restaurants open this week and there's people dealing with that. We've got people that are, are senior saints, I call them, as Pastor Daniels used to call them, people that are older in Jesus. Senior saints, not senior ain'ts, senior saints are, are sitting there and they've been told that I'm over 70 and I should stay in all the time and they're alone and many of them are, we also have people that are a part of our church that are in, in assisted living facilities and they're alone and there's been a great death and there's a lot of pain around that. We've got people that don't know what to do and I'm just telling you, I, I, we could add to the list as much as we want, but I'm saying this church, it's our responsibility to not ignore or be indifferent to the pain around us. It's our responsibility to bow our knee and call out to God. This very week, as I, was a, a, I went with a group of pastors and clergy down on Chicago on 38th, we, we did a silent walk, over a thousand pastors followed black leadership ahead of us. And when we got to the spot and where, where uh, George Floyd was, was murdered, right there, we bowed our knees as clergy in the city. It was a silent march. We weren't sitting there yelling anything else. And then we were all prayed the Lord's Prayer together. It was a powerful moment as churches that are often separated are calling out to God for the city around us. And I believe in that kind of corporate prayer. It's our responsibility to rise up as a church and not just be individual and say, that's not my issue. No, because God planted us in this city, it is our issue. And as a church, we're not afraid. We're not worried. We'll tackle the difficult things. We'll love all people. We'll give our best to care for those that are hurting. We'll do everything everything we can, but we are not going to do it in our own heart, our own head. We're going to lift up our eyes to the hill. Where does our help come from? From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that created everything, whose breath changes everything. You and I have a responsibility to walk in confession, the power of confession. And I believe that God will help each and every one of us do that. We're going to worship and we're going to pray together in each of our locations and Emmanuel at home as well today. We're going to worship God, but now is the time to take what I just preached and begin to say, God, see into me. Look through my heart. God, this is where I'm at. And then, God, this is where we're at. This is what we're walking through. We need you to move. We're not going to keep it in our head and our heart. We're going to lift it to the Lord. 
And before we begin to sing, I wanna just say this especially to those that right now the Spirit of God has been speaking to you in your heart, you're away from God, that you have sin that's weighing you down and you need Jesus. You need Jesus. It's the Spirit of God that's doing this. This isn't just a preacher stirring you up. You know there's stuff inside that you need forgiven of. You, only Jesus forgives sins. And you're right now in a place where you need Jesus. And I wanna just pray with you because I want you to know the good news is you can talk to him right now. You confess right now and he can make you new. But you gotta turn to God in your own head and your heart. You gotta surrender to him. And I wanna lead you in a prayer. And if you're here, just close your eyes wherever you're at. I'd just like to ask you this. If you're needing to give your life to Christ or come back to him, can you just pray this prayer with me out loud? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. And then you rose from the dead and you're alive. Today, I give up running my own life and I surrender to you. I ask you to lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. We're so thankful that you prayed that prayer. We're so thankful that God is at work. And there's freedom, as the psalmist said, when we confess to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to continue to follow Jesus. In fact, you can take one simple next step. Just text the word Emmanuel to 313131. And we'll send you a quick link on what it's like to continue to follow Jesus. I want to make sure that you make it. Stay on the journey. Keep talking to God and allow him to take over your future. I'm telling you, it's the best way to live. I'm going to ask the people on all of our campuses to stand today. As we go into worship and prayer, we enact what was just preached and we turn it to God and we turn our hearts and our lives to God and, and then uh, as as we worship the worship teams in each campus are going to lead and Pastor Nathan and Pastor Brian are going to take over in their campuses uh, and uh, Emmanuel at home and Emmanuel in Spring Lake Park will be together here but I want to encourage you to do something before we begin to sing can you just lift your hands to Jesus right now in a sense to say search me oh God See if there be any unclean way in me. Would you wash me, cleanse me? Would you take all the thoughts of my heart and as I lift them to you, oh God, Lord, would you begin to move mountains in me before you move mountains around me? And I pray, God, that you do that and then allow the Lord begin to pray through you as God begins to move as we sing to the Lord together. The mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed.
miracles happen. Miracles happen when you move. Healing, healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. Come on, let's sing this out today, church.
went out and bought t-shirts this week for everybody that said I was there when we reopened the church. Uh, what a cool, cool, cool moment. At Spring Lake Park, would you stand as you receive a blessing today? And uh, those are at home, Emmanuel at home right now, all of us together. I'm so proud of our church, proud of all that God is doing in all of our lives. You just put your hands like this, like you're receiving a blessing today. Father, I ask, oh Lord, that you would turn your face toward your people. And Lord, that you would fill us with the confidence of heaven. You have the ability to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it to good. And you know how to turn things around. So today, I ask, oh God, that you would smile on your people and smile on our neighborhoods and smile on our city. And that, Lord, that you would usher in a move of God and that there would be a very strong sense that you've moved in and you aren't moving out. 
You're here to stay. And we ask, oh God, that we would feel and sense all that's available, Lord, in, in your word and in your kingdom, that you would open up the gates of heaven and pour out a blessing, Lord, that we can't even contain, and that there'd be a very strong sense that we can do this. I pray, God, that people that have lost their jobs would find jobs this week. I pray, God, that people that are opening or reopening businesses, that all the business would come back. I pray, God, that you would do restoration in our cities with the conflicts and, and all this tension that we have in the land. I thank you for the tension. We turn it to you, and I ask that you would change our hearts. Let this be the best week of our lives, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.